Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You join us here inside Darren's house. Hey, what? Where do you come from? Get out of my ass! Darren is about to play Paddy Power Fantasy's Sunday Million prize draw on the NFL. Sophie, it's that bloke from Paddy Power. He's got in the arse again. It's just £9 to enter, with £1.6 million in prizes and 250 k for the winner. Listen, mate, get out of here before I... Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Last entry by 8.05pm Sunday. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting. Love winning. Get out! And don't you dare read those terms and conditions... Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18plusbecampbellaware.org. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Here we are then, gang, getting closer and closer to Super Bowl 54. We will know by Monday which teams are making it to the big show. We know we're going to the big show. Exciting news going to be dropping episodes each and every day from out there in Miami. But this week, unsurprisingly, all about the conference championship preview. Ben Isaac's in the house. Let's get straight to it. Benedict, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Nats? Feel a little bit guilty, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, I'll just come straight out with it. Odell gave me uh, an envelope to give to you, but I left it. I left it at home. So what I will do here is just write an IOU. 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 Thirty dollars. Do it. That'll do. Thirty dollars. Sign that, Coombs. There you go. Perfect. So apologies, it isn't the cash up front, but um, but hopefully that will. I'm good for that. I'm I think that. we'll be square now. Yeah. What on earth? Uh, do you make of all, all of that? And not least the, the latest developments, Odell Beckham, uh, and there's a video of it as well, uh, has been issued, there is a, a warrant has been issued for his arrest, um, after the butt slap, should we, should we call yeah. it, of the, uh, of the uh, security guard. Or was it a police officer or a security guard? I think it was a police officer and the it was whole a police officer in, in, so inside the locker room. And then out cash to all the players and then slapped the policeman on his backside. So yes, the police officer was telling the LSU players to put out their cigars. Because it right. was it was Which, against the regulations. Ironically, I had to ask you the very same thing just <laughs> well, before we started rolling. <laughs> if Every I, time I have to. The ask money me. I spent on those from Cuba, you've just got to let yeah. me do it. Um, so yeah, he was he was um, he was getting a bit frisky mm. with this with this guy, this cop who was trying to stop them from uh, stop them from smoking the cigars, and he he wasn't sort of he had to walk up to this cop mm. and and give him the. The slap. It seemed a strange thing to do. I mean, he was clearly enjoying the night. He's a, he's a former LSU legend. I'm sure he would have loved to have played with a quarterback like Joe yeah, Burrow. Right. Um, and he really wanted to insert himself in the celebrations. Um, so much so that he was handing out $100 bills to players, which. Now uh, that's obviously a big issue because it's college players. Yes. Yeah, so it can be seen as being an illegal payment. Mm for their achievements or for playing. Now, I don't think he meant anything by it. I think he was just kind of having fun. And if somebody just pushes some cash in, in a player's hand quite openly, I mean, it was, it was being filmed. It's a bit you know, of a weird thing to do. Isn't it? I it, mean, it, forget the, the rules and regulations, put that aside, right? So let's just say either Beckham had forgotten in the heat of the moment, had never considered it in the first place. Let's just say that those regulations weren't there, right? It's still a weird thing to do. It is, but. I would say, is it is it a weird thing for Odell Beckham Jr. to do, or is it completely in character 
for somebody like him. And um, I would imagine that he will regret both the actions, mm. handing out the money and also the um, the butt slap, because players who just took that money um, could find themselves in trouble. It wouldn't be mm. Odell getting in trouble. It would be the players, apart from players like Joe Burrow, who, as soon as that game ended, were officially no longer student-athletes. He mm. didn't have any eligibility left. So if he can accept money because point, because yeah. he's no longer he's no longer a college football player that ended at, you know at the, at the, the final whistle down, yeah um so yeah it was it was a bit silly and really he should have just i get that he was excited for LSU but perhaps he didn't need to make the locker room celebrations quite so much about him right well said uh so just a final thing on that the uh warrant for his arrest the browns have issued a statement on that saying we're aware of the incident we've been in touch with odell and his representatives on the matter they're cooperating with the proper authorities to appropriately address the situation i mean the it the the punishment can be up to six months or up to a fine of one thousand dollars and i'm guessing it's going to be a fine of one thousand dollars or a contract extension with the browns (laughs) (laughs) if they want to be really harsh (laughs) all right let's move on to a much more important uh, matter that broke since we uh, were last uh, recording a pod on Wednesday, around about the time we were recording, actually, but we, we missed the news then. Uh, Luke Keekley, one of the great players of his generation, announcing his retirement. Now, nothing on the surface particularly curious about that until you consider Keekley's age, 28 mm. years old. So he is, proportionately speaking, retiring uh, at, at a young age, walking yeah. away from, uh, uh, walking away from at least looking at Providing he stayed fit five, six more years, a lot of money as a result of yeah. that. Um, and he's another like, shot at a Super Bowl. Another shot at a Super Bowl. Although that might have something to do with that. Ollie, our producer, was making the point that if the Panthers were contenders, realistic contenders next yeah. year, whether maybe that would have shaped his decision. And he's walking away from it on health grounds. Understandably, he's not the first player, of course, to do this in, in recent years, walking away in the prime of his career um, because he's worried about what might happen in the years after he ultimately retires, if he carried on yeah. playing. Um, I think he's made absolutely the right decision. Um, if he had any issues, if he had any worries that this was going to affect the rest of his life, then it would have been a crazy decision to, to carry on. He knows his body as well as anybody, and he's had three concussions in three seasons. We, we still don't know that much about concussions. We happen to know a lot more than we did... 10, 20 years ago. And what we know now is that they can have such a long-term effect. We've seen what has happened to former NFL players and CTE and just constant concussions. I mean, the, the, the sad thing is he may not have got out soon enough. Three concussions might have been three, two, one too many, whatever, and he still might suffer those terrible ill effects he's had three concussions in three seasons yeah uh that was one of the stats that, that came out and uh i still want to play but i don't think it's the right decision to, to carry on playing was his statement so he still has a, a passion for the game still yeah in his in his heart wants to wants to play but realize that for for the reasons you just said he might have already done enough damage and certainly doesn't want to risk that anymore are we going to see more and more players following suit do you think i think so um i think as um as our understanding of brain injuries f- progresses, I think players will be more more likely to, to step away before their life can get potentially ruined. Mm. You know, um, walking away from the money for a lot of people because 
you know, a disproportionate amount of um, players in the NFL came from very little money. And it's then, you know, we're talking about kind of college pay- payments. They'll have worked hard through university, playing college football, putting their body on the line for no pay. And then to walk away from to walk away from NFL contracts is mm. very, very difficult. And a player like Keekley, just to put this in context for uh, for how much you think it's worth, no pun intended, we're talking about tens and tens of millions of dollars. He's yeah, absolutely. This is... Um, these are, for most people, life-changing amounts of money. And he's already obviously earned a lot of money, and he's he's known for being an intelligent and thoughtful player. I I obviously don't know his bank manager, and I can't I can't speak to the state of his finances. But the the sort of the sort of man he is, I I don't think he's about to run out of money right. in the next couple of seasons. And I'm sure if he was that short of money, he would have carried on playing. See, that is an interesting point. That uh, and again, this isn't a, a torment to. Detract from the, you know, the, the reasons why Kiki has walked away at, at this time. But you're right. He's walked away, providing he's been sensible with his money, a very wealthy man. There are a lot of NFL players that are on league minimum. And now it might seem like a hell of a lot of money to, to the rest of us. And it, and it is, you know, uh, but if you're talking about a player that thinks I've maybe got X number of years at five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000, I've got to pay my agent, my manager tax, you know, you, you shred that down and you've got a limited window to earn money. Yeah. It makes it a very difficult and very different decision to walk away from. Yeah, and also you will you can often get pressure from family members, right? Business partners, you know, a lot of a lot of NFL players are supporting their extended family mm-hmm. through this. Um, not to put too fine a point, for some for some relatives, they will see an NFL player in the family as a meal ticket. Sure, and there will be substantial pressure to carry on earning. And it's exactly it's not it's not the people on who, who are earning tens of millions. It's the people earning you know close to seven figures which yeah for most people is fine but not when you're committed to paying the mortgage of like five different family members Mm -hmm. and you've invested in a couple of like your cousin's restaurants and all this stuff that when that money it's bad enough when that money stops when you retire but if you if you stop and you're 28 and you think i had another seven years ahead of me then that is that is really tough yeah and we've got to we've got to wonder has Luke Keekley done enough to get into the Hall of Fame now? Ooh, well, that's a, that is an altogether yeah. different question. Um, uh, and one I think we'll save for, because we've got championship games to predict. We'll, uh, is it championship weekend? It is this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Did wow. you miss that? Do you, that was on the email. <sighs> yeah. I, I'll we'll, just check just that forget. email. I'm not sure you just said forget. that. I know you've had a busy week with college football, so <laughs> fair enough. Uh, and incidentally, if you want to catch uh, Ben's take on the college championship, our Wednesday pod is where you can hear that. But we're all about the NFL today, of course, and the championship games. So we'll get into that. Let's do it chronologically. We'll start uh, with the AFC game between the Titans and the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Both coming into this game with uh, a hell of a lot of swagger. The Titans, because they have done things the hard way on the road. They squeaked into the playoffs uh, as the number six seed. Nobody gave them much of a chance on the road in Foxborough against the, the reigning champs, the Patriots. They took care of them. Nobody gave them a chance against the number one seed, the Ravens. On the road in Baltimore, they took care of them. And here they are, improbably in some people's eyes, uh, but entirely logical in other people's eyes in the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs, on the other hand, of course, highly touted, highly favoured for much of the season. Weathered an injury to Mahomes, sorted out their defence in the latter third of the season. They're traditionally their weak link in, in recent years and were expected to absolutely steamroll the Houston Texans. Now, of course, they did in the end after... One of the craziest first quarters of, of not just playoff football, but of any football that, that I uh, have ever yep. seen at uh, 24 nothing down. 
and then laying it down for the rest of the game. The, the this, first team to ever fall behind 24 nothing and still lead at halftime. Yeah. It's right. still incredible. Incredible. And they carried on where they left off, of course, in the second half. So this offense in particular, but you could argue the way that they shut down the Texans offense defensively over the final uh, three quarters of that game, both on both sides of the ball. We'll leave special teams out of it. We'll pretend that first quarter didn't <laughs> yeah. happen for them. Uh, both uh, sides of the ball coming into this game with supreme confidence. So... Really, really interesting matchup. Let's start with some of the obvious things. Derek Henry has driven this Titans offense. Uh, he has been one of the most productive players in the NFL full stop, not just in this Titans team. The standout player, I think, over the last seven or eight weeks, I think it's fair to call uh, him that over uh, across the NFL. Already in the postseason, Ben, he's on 377 rushing yards. He had 195 against what is a pretty tough Ravens defense. Yep. Let's not uh, put it bluntly. And, of course, is the center point, the, the fulcrum of this uh, Titans offense, not just because of that productivity. And even though you think, mm, we've got to stop Henry, but we can't, it's what else he enables, the play action and getting, have them limited, they're using it, the passing game going so they can hit those strikes when they need to. So the success of Henry against this Chiefs defense is critical, of course, to the Titans having any kind of success. And it's a pretty favorable matchup, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it should be. Um, on Derrick Henry, you say about over the, over the past kind of half a season, in his last eight games, he's had 1,273 yards rushing. You can think of that as kind of half a regular season yep. in effect. Um, that's the second most in an eight game span in NFL history. If a running back is hitting a thousand yards plus, he's had a decent season. Yes. So he's had that in half a, over that in half yeah. a season. Um, three of his four best games of the season have, uh, three of his best games have come in the last four games. He's really kind of kicked it up a notch. Um, in the playoffs as well, um, which is useful because Ryan Tannehill hasn't hit 100 yards passing at any point in the, in the playoffs. But he hasn't asked. He's only, they've only attempted 25 passes in, in both those games. It's very easy to start making fun of Ryan. Well, actually, it, it's, it's getting more difficult, mm. but it's always been easy to make fun of Ryan Tannehill. Um, he, was on a, he was on a bad Dolphins team. I, I don't think there was more... There was a more positive person about Ryan Tannehill in the entire country than you, Nat. You always seem to believe in Ryan yep. Tannehill, even when all the evidence suggested otherwise, and he has proved you right. You should feel completely vindicated. Thanks, Ben. Um, um, well, I mean, let's look at Tannehill's season, because you're absolutely right to say that people are saying, well, they're doing it despite him. Look, ridiculous how low the productivity is. The... the this isn't consistent for the whole season. If they'd run the season where pretty much every game Tannehill was throwing for between 80 and 140 yards, I'd get that narrative. But that isn't the case. No. He's been statistically in, in certain areas amongst the strongest quarterbacks this season in terms of completion percentage, in terms of quarterback rating. He is ranking incredibly high. In terms of average yards per throw, he's, he's ranking high. He can nail a he can fire bullets in a very accurate passer. The idea of Tannehill as a game manager, I think, is is misunderstanding. Now, he's not a Patrick Mahomes-type player that can improvise, that can deliver a moment of sublime magic that can turn a game on its head, but he's far more than just a jobbing game manager. Yeah, I think um, the game manager phrase is often used as an insult, mm when it shouldn't be. Um, a game manager is someone who can execute the game plan, will understand exactly what needs to be done, know their role, know that, okay, if you've got to put, if you've got to go and put four or five completions together, you'd better go and do it. A game manager isn't just somebody who's handing the ball off and making a few quick passes because 
you're not managing the game if you're not making the passes that you need to make. Right. It just happens to be that Ryan Tannehill is not a quarterback where it's like, right, we're just going to put the game on your shoulders and you are going to you are going to lead us to victory. That's right. not how the team is built. He wasn't brought in to do that. There has been no expectation that that's the player he has to be. They had a plan. He was the right quarterback for the plan. You've only got to look at the way they were with Marcus Mariota, who right. in theory is a more talented player, to the difference when Tannehill came over. Yeah, it's greater upside. This is the thing, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Look at a couple of plays in the postseason in particular, right? So you had the 45-yarder to Khalif Raymond against the Ravens. Yeah. Absolute beauty of a throw. And then I think less showy, but arguably as important was that clutch third down completion against the Patriots in the final few minutes which yeah. just shut essentially shut the game down or, yeah. uh, uh, near enough so under pressure quite a difficult throw didn't didn't blink wasn't phased and similarly when he needed to the run was being established they were running all over the Ravens but when he needed to air it out and uh, and nail that play he did so he is I think a more complete player if not as you rightly say, doesn't have the upside of a number of other quarterbacks in the league for this Titan side, exactly what they want. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this, this will sound like I'm comparing him to Troy Aikman and I'm not comparing him to Troy Aikman, but Troy Aikman was always perfect of just doing exactly what he had to do. And sometimes it's, you're going to give it to Emmett Smith a lot. You've got a fantastic offensive line, but there are going to be throws that you've got to make. Mm. That's what Tannehill has been doing. And he's been doing it in very difficult situations. Now, if the Titans reach the Super Bowl, and personally, that would be one of the most incredible of stories of recent years. If they make the Super Bowl, then their run in the playoffs will be, for my mind, the most impressive postseason run in NFL history. Mm. The the nineteen eighty five New England Patriots, everyone talks about the eighty five Bears. The eighty five New England Patriots who got in as a wildcard team because the Dolphins were so good, they had to go on the road at the Jets bitter rival. Then they had to, after beating them the wild around, they had to fly all the way to LA and beat the Raiders, who were not that far off of their own Super Bowl championship, won there. Then they had to fly to beat one of the hottest teams in the NFL at that point. They had to go and beat the Dolphins on the road. That, to me, is the greatest stretch, and this would even beat it, because they had to beat they had to beat Brady at home. They then had to take on Lamar Jackson, who will be the NFL MVP, we assume, beat them in Baltimore. And the Ravens that many people are saying are one of the best regular season teams of the last 20 years. Yep, they've been stunning. I, you know, I think we'll be in, in the future, if the Ravens don't, if this Ravens team doesn't kind of go on and win a Super Bowl, that we'll look at that team, um, a bit like, um, the Vikings team. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah. with Randall Cunningham yeah, and Randy yeah. Moss of what a wasted opportunity. The Missing Rings, the great series. Exactly. Check that out. Exactly. The missing, America's game, the Missing Rings. So, the, to go, to go and win in these places, you can't, you can't just do that with, oh, just a, that, that kind of jobbing game manager quarterback. Mm. You've got to have your wits about you to yep. go into these places and, and win. Nothing has been comfortable mm. for him. You know, people can look at, oh, well, Derek Henry's doing the work. It's not that simple. Not that simple. To win in Arrowhead will be just as tough as those other jobs. If they hadn't already done those things, I would give them absolutely no chance. Mm. But they've, they've done incredible things. I, they have the potential as well, and Greg Rosenthal made this point in his column this week, to win a shootout. They won a shootout against the Chiefs earlier yep. in the season. The last time the Chiefs lost. This idea that they can't go toe-to-toe, which they're going to almost certainly have to do, right? I don't think they're going to win. I don't think we're expecting an attritional 17-14 <laughs> no. game here. So they're going to have to do that, but they, but they proved that they can. Uh, 
And not least because, again, I think quite, if we're considering Ryan Tannehill as underrated, I think it's quite an underrated receiving core. That the more I see it, like obviously AJ Brown isn't, but Corey Davis, dangerous player. Uh, Johnny Smith, who hasn't done much in the playoffs, but I think is is a hell of a player as He's well. He's a weapon too, exactly. You would not be surprised if Tannehill threw strikes to all three of those repeatedly. You wouldn't be surprised. No. So they have the potential, particularly because Henry is just uh, occupies so much attention. Yeah, they have the potential to do some damage. The question is, can they stop the Chiefs? Is this where the weak link is? Now, people are saying, particularly given what you just so eloquently described, the route to the championship game, the fact they've done it the hard way, the fact this defense has been on the road for consecutive weeks and has been putting in a shift, Mm. that is a major disadvantage, obviously, compared to the Chiefs, who had a bye week, who, okay, had a scare against the the Texans, but in the end, the defense had not a huge amount to do. They could have taken the day off. Basically, almost almost another week off. The, The Titans have had a very different trajectory to the championship game. And it might be the end of the road because they've given too much. It could be. Or they're the team with the momentum. Mm. Um, I, they, they found, it's not just they've kind of, or oh, they found ways to win. They, they didn't kind of, they didn't fluke these wins. It wasn't kind of miracle performances. They only feel like potentially miracles because they were such underdogs in those games. You see, on that, that's a really interesting point. Now, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but in terms of, in the the two playoff games they've had, offense uh, opposition offense in the red zone, the um, obviously particularly we saw this with the Ravens, but it was true in both games. It was a significantly low return. In other words, if you look at that, map it out over the course of the season, it was statistically leaning heavily towards the Titans in terms of the inefficiency of the opposition to punch it in in the red zone. Right yeah. now, you can look at that in two ways. You can look at it. That that's because the Titans D was really holding firm in the red zone and it's superb red zone D and fair play to them. Or you could look at it and maybe as well as that, you could look at it that it'll level itself out. You can't maintain that level of defense over a, a p- prolonged period of time. So something will have to give statistically. Yeah, it's obviously stopping Mahomes is going to be an incredibly difficult task and most teams haven't done it. Even the Titans when they beat them didn't really, you know, it wasn't about stopping Mahomes. Mm. I think the the key to stopping Mahomes is going to start with Derrick Henry. It's Derrick Henry running the ball and eating up so much of the clock right. that you want to give Mahomes as few possessions as possible. And that I think is the way that you're the way that you're going to do it. Mm. Obviously you can have to rely on Tannehill to make throws. It's not just going to be um Derrick Henry, but you've got to keep Mahomes off the field because if if the Chiefs go up 14 nothing in the, in the first quarter, which is entirely possible, how do the Titans come back from that? Because they can't just rely on the running game then. It's going to have to go in Tannehill's hands. And I think if they are, if, if, if he's going to see a lot of kind of nickel packages, then I think he could have problems. Mm. So it's, it's going to start with the Titans getting a lead and using up the clock. Because if Mahomes keeps getting the ball, keeps getting the ball, it will, it will break through. The, a lot of the times it might not come down to the red zone because he's so adept at the at the long touchdowns anyway. Sure. A lot of those touchdowns are going to come from around the 50-yard line, not the 20-yard line. And that is a massive weak link for, for Tennessee. You know, the secondary, Kevin Byard notwithstanding, the rest of the secondary, in terms of this matchup, it's, it's not even close, right? Right. Also, the Titans struggle against covering a tight end. And guess what? 
the Chiefs have the best tight end in the business, right? It's almost like he's got a kind of supernatural connection with Patrick Mahomes. They, mm. they both know what the, each one is going to do. If, um, you know, if, if I didn't know better, I would say that like, Andy Reid has been giving them some, some of experimental, like, kind of, brainwave testing because they just he just you sometimes see Travis Kelsey he's running and he'll look back just as the ball is arriving he knows it's there yeah Patrick Mahomes can kind of put the ball up not even really looking to see where Kelsey is because he knows exactly where he's going to be almost to the millimeter I want to explore this Andy Reid brainwave testing a little bit more where would that take place with that He's got a, he's got a sort of secret walrus bunker, I think. Um, <laughs> walrus bunker? Yeah, I mean, that would be, if he was like a supervillain with some sort of like bunker doing like evil tests, he would, that would be the walrus. It wouldn't be the penguin, he'd be the walrus. But Andy Reid would have walrus, pet walruses. He might, and okay. he would obviously look as much like a walrus as possible, even more so than normal. I, Where does Eric Bieniemy? no, let's move on. <laughs> but, I mean, and, Andy Reid, of course, the, the knock on him has been, you know, unable to kind of, you know, win win the big one right this is this is such a great opportunity for him you know he's he's had he's had his knocks all through his career even when he was just doing so well Mm. at the eagles he's he's a nice guy and he's obviously so much more experienced than all the other all the other coaches like mike Vrabel is still a new guy he can be one of i think the he if he won the super bowl he'd be the fifth player i think to win it as a player yeah and, and a, coach, a coach, which is a hell of an achievement. I'm not as worried about that with Vrabel. And again, you know, you, you mentioned how I've always been Team Tannehill. I feel like I've always been Team Vrabel. But I'm not so worried about coaches that are in this situation when they have had such a successful playing career factored success into that. So he's, because he's part of this Patriots dynasty. Yeah. I'm not not as faced. He's been in this situation mentally before, so I don't think he's going to get thrown by. Now you could argue what's a completely different thing. He's got to be thinking about totally different things, and I, I, of course I get that. But I'm less worried about Vrabel as a young coach than others uh, in that situation. I think the the point about Andy Reid is you make is a great one that he, often parallels were made at the time. I think a kind of peak Wenger and and sort of post uh, the success that he was having in terms of winning titles. Uh, and significant trophies at Arsenal, but still playing great football, but mm. just having, you know, a, a softness to the team. That's, that's Andy Reid, right? He's in, yeah. Offensively a real innovator in the same way Wenger was and quite stubborn in some respects in the same yeah. way Wenger was. And, uh, and for many years, particularly with the, the Eagles kept them in the playoffs all the time in the same way Wenger apologists could argue kept Arsenal in the Champions League all the time yeah. without necessarily winning it. So there, there are, I think sort of parallels there and a, Interesting in the first quarter of the game against the Texans, the Twitter reaction, uh, and not just from upset Chiefs fans, but pretty much everybody piling in saying, Andy Reid, here we go again. Uh, so he must have had quite a right smile on his face yeah. at the end of that game after laying down that kind of offensive performance. So not just coming out of it and winning the game, but having such a supreme offensive uh, return which was prototypically Chiefs. It was just such a... And this is the the point we say with the Titans offense, Henry's got to do something, not just because of what he can deliver on the ground, but of everything else it does for the passing game. If you shut down the Titans run game and ask Tannehill to beat you when the running game is shut down, they're probably not going to win. Yeah. If you shut down the Chiefs running game, you don't make the same, draw the same conclusion. You think, okay, well, that's not great, but there are still a lot of ways this team can beat you. And there's a big, big difference. Yeah. Um, you're right. Andy Reid is an innovator. I think the, the, uh, Wenger comparison is absolutely fantastic as in kind of like post titles Wenger. 
Um, Andy Reid, so it's, he's something like fifth or sixth in the all-time um, career wins list. But, you know, right now, without a Super Bowl, he will always be considered to be somewhat of a, a failure. Yeah. Um, but he's put together this fantastic Chiefs team. And to me, it feels like maybe, maybe it's going to come good. For him, I'd be tempted if I if I was him and I won the Super Bowl, I'd just retire and be like, "There we go, I'm going out as a going out as a champion." Mic drop. Yeah, I don't think he on will. On the stage when he gets the Lombardi, just mic drop there. But yeah, I'm out, suckers. Yeah, <laughs> you have to say that. Yeah, like Booker, like Booker T. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do a spin of Rudy as well. well. Andy Reid would be a good wrestler, actually. Again, just with his walrus persona. Craig T, but a sort of mid eighties tag team. Oh, I would love this. We got to work on it. Yeah. Like, like you said the other day, Benny, a lot to work on in the off season. Yeah, well, this, we've gone from the Ryan Tannehill to the Ryan Tangents. I'm sure you read my uh, ESPN column this week about Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, <laughs> I just wanted to get the plug in. There's no more, no less. All right, let's pick this one. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. I think finally, 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 after after the Andy Reid years, after the Schottenheimer years, all the time when it just felt like they should go to a Super Bowl, and I'm as well, I'm thinking, it's the, obviously the NFL's 100th season. I think back to the NFL's 75th season when everyone wanted a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, or all neutrals did, because it would mean Joe Montana versus Steve Young. Yeah. And 25 years later, the Chiefs, we... Uh, we could see them fulfill their half of the bargain. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Chiefs. I think. Is it gonna be easy? I think the final score will make it look easier than it was because I think it's, the, the Titans are such a tough out. They are such a brutal team to play against and they will really have their hands full with Derek Henry. Um, I think they'll be able to shut down Tannehill and I think they'll win. They'll win by a couple of scores. Mm. I think they win as well. I do. And I'm, Torn on this one. Actually, I suppose it's kind of a happy ending either way for the reasons you've so uh, clearly described on the Chiefs and Andy Reid in particular getting to the Super Bowl, seeing Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Well, I think we want to see a bit of that. At the same time, this Titan story has been brilliant and I think a lot of neutrals are rooting for them for that reason. Sure. Oh, I hate this. Oh, they're not a big media market. It'll ruin the Super Bowl. Nonsense. I think it'll be a great story if they make it. So I'd be happy with either team getting in. And it you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Titans blow off another upset. I don't think they're going to do it, though. I think in the end, it will get to shootout territory, and I think the Chiefs will have too much for them in that respect. So but a compliment I can pay the Titans is that I really wanted to see a Chiefs-Ravens AFC Championship. I felt like that that was what we deserved to see. But the way the Titans played against Baltimore, just right. like, no, no, Tennessee, you absolutely deserve to be here. I want to see you give the give the Chiefs a crack because if the if the Ravens would play against the Chiefs like they did they were completely outsmarted by the Titans mm. they have earned their way there you look at the 9 and 7 record and it feels like they kind of just managed to sneak in they didn't really sneak in they just had a bad start before Tannehill took over and turned them into one of the best teams in the NFL yeah and they deserve to be here but this is probably one game too far yeah okay on to the NFC championship game 49ers Packers squaring off in California of course they met earlier in the season. It was a 37-8 to 8 win for San Francisco. This is a very, well, significantly different Packers side from the one that lost so heavily then, mm-hmm. not least because they lost so heavily then. You look at a lot of the build-up to this game, a number of the players, particularly defensively, are making the point that that was a hell of a wake-up call. And if you look at how that unit has progressed since that game, it is dramatically different. We've spoken on this show 
a number of times and I hold my hands up here and say, I'm in that, have been in that team of this Packers is a strange old side. They just don't seem to gel and click and how are they deepened? How are they almost the number one seed in the NFC? How are they rolling on into the playoffs? And here they are now in the championship game. My position has changed a little bit after that win against Seattle. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Also, as far as that 37-8 shellacking is concerned, there is a school of thought that says mm. that if you if you have a blowout and the two teams meet again, that right. the team that the team that lost will learn more from that game than the team that won. Right? They'll have seen so many things that they can work on. Whereas if you if you've just played a poor game, the 49ers will almost have to completely forget about everything that they saw from the Packers that day. Yes. Whereas the Packers can work on things that they saw from the 49ers. It is a weird old Packers team. It feels like it shouldn't work, and yet it does. The, the defense started the season really well, kind of faded away, improved again. They, they're good. They're good. They're good at running the ball. In terms of Aaron Rodgers having weapons at receiver, he just doesn't really have them. Mm. They're, they are made to look better than they are because Aaron Rodgers is such a sublime talent. I've said before, I think he's the greatest quarterback of his generation in terms of natural talent. And he is just dragging them, kicking and screaming all all the way to the NFC Championship game, which even when they started well, I thought there were just too many holes in this team. There were too many weaknesses. And I thought the Seahawks would beat them last week. I've been high on the Seahawks all season, but really, maybe I was getting it mixed up that if, if any team is just being dragged by one player, it's the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think that... that Wilson's line didn't do many favors again. So in some respects that, uh, accentuated the impact of the Packers pass rush. But I think that is a key thing here because we're talking about players that are suddenly stepping up at the right time and, and just building a real rhythm. The Smith brothers, Kenny Clark, uh, they all look interesting and it's a tougher line with the, with the 49ers. I get that, but they were causing havoc against Seattle and that will clearly be part of their, their MO again. In terms of Rodgers and receptions and, uh, and uh, receiving options, of course, that is a big issue. I'd probably say two things to this. And Devontae Adams and that connection, as we saw, ably demonstrated against the Seahawks, is going to be crucial here. Yep. And there's no reason, even with Sherman on Adams, which quite conceivably could happen, there's no reason to think that uh, they can't connect strongly again. It's what happens if they do manage to shut Adams out or at least marginalize him. Is there enough around him? Now that is on the one hand quite a clear issue, but then if there's a quarterback that's going to be able to get the most out of uh, a, a, an indifferent bunch, it, it, in a game like this, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm not sure any, any quarterback in the NFL is better at doing that right. than anyone else. Now, Aaron Rodgers, no player has a bigger chip on his shoulder in the NFL than Aaron Rodgers, which is, it's kind of unusual when you are clearly one of the most talented players in the league, one of the mm. best paid players in the league, one of the most high profile players in the league to have that chip on your shoulder. And he's always been that sort of person. And he's, it just, it just blew up when he was passed over by so many teams in the NFL draft and had to sit in the green room humiliated as the camera kept looking at him because he was the only player left and people just passing on him, and he ended up at the Packers, and he really wanted to be a 49er. Because mm. a California boy, of course. He grew up in Northern California, was desperate to be a 49er. They ended up, you know, rolling with Alex Smith, and clearly they should have taken Aaron Rodgers, although, you know, the argument could could be that 
if he'd been with that 49ers team, maybe he wouldn't have had anywhere near the success and he got to sit for two years behind Brett Favre, mm. which was fantastic for him. But he, I, as someone who grew up loving the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers, there's probably nobody who dislikes them more right now because mm. just that's, that's the way that he is. This is. It's not to be underestimated at this point, I think you, you make that I think it's easy to say for, for people to say, well, okay, I get he's going to be fired up, but that's not really going to matter when it comes down. Uh, to you know, to game time, if he they're being out schemed, that he just can't find anybody open. If again, going back to looking at specific players that can keep plays alive, that can improvise, that can somehow pull something out of the bag, Aaron Rodgers is on that shortlist of the, of the best currently and arguably of all time in his position. So to have that motivate constant motivation, in, in other words, to simplify what I'm what I'm saying, even if his offense isn't really gelling. He can still make plays happen and he is going to be absolutely motivated to do that against yeah. the 49ers. No doubt about that whatsoever for, for the reasons you've just said. That will be just like Brady after all these years is still mightily, mightily knows out of joint that he was overlooked and yeah. dropped out. It, it sounds crazy when you've achieved what you've achieved. He's achieved what he's achieved, but it, he says the first to admit, it still drives me. It still motivates yeah. me now. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been someone who has been famously difficult to deal with, um, both for coaches and teammates. Do you think that affects his, or might affect his legacy a bit? Because he's not as likable on the surface level of character as other players. Um, I, th- do you know what I think will affect his legacy? If, despite being perhaps the greatest talent of his generation, and often being surrounded by really good players, less so this year, ironically, yeah. that if he ends his career with one Super Bowl victory, mm. when... You know, you compare with, you know, obviously it's, it's tough to compare with Brady because of what he did, but at least say compare with Peyton Manning, who got to numerous Super Bowls, won a couple. And the, the thing for, the thing for Manning is what stopped Manning from winning extra Super Bowls? Tom Brady in AFC championship games, whereas mm. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had that kind of brick Nemesis, wall yeah. exactly to come, to come up against. Yeah. So, I mean, his, his legacy is going to be what an incredible player, but it might be a little bit, like, you know, one knock you can have on Brett Favre apart from the constant interceptions. And Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is a, like that about him. Aaron Rodgers is a far better quarterback than Brett Favre. Hey, Brett, steady on. Brett Favre should not it's have, Favre country. Favre should not have been on that NFL all-time 100 list. Certainly not ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Brett Favre. Yeah, that IU back, that, Ben Isaacs. It, it cannot be argued. Brett Favre somehow only won one Super Bowl despite being surrounded by unreal talents. Yeah. If Aaron Rodgers only wins one, then um, yeah, and pa- was, Packers fans, I think, would be like, "Well, we, how did that just happen?" It feels un- it feels unfair. Other other fans, kind of, uh, Ollie and I were talking before we went on air. Like Bears fans can look at that and be like, "It's not fair that you get far for all that time, and then go straight to Aaron Rodgers." But that mm. that stretch is decades long, and the idea that you might win two Super Bowls in that stretch with two of the greatest of all time, I don't think it'll affect his legacy. I think even if he is a difficult person, he's not the fun guy that um, Peyton Manning is. It's it's going to be his incredible achievements, but it's it's whether is he going to get another ring? That's what I want to know. Well, he's got to get past the 49ers. Uh, let's look at some of the the key matchups here and look back at how the 49ers beat the Vikings. Right, couple of key things there. They did a lot of it on the ground offensively, uh, notably, and not wildly dissimilar to the Titans in in that respect. That uh, that's what's rolling for them. So why change it up? But conversely, they completely stifled. The Vikings will stop, particularly because they shut down Dalvin Cook and, and the running yep. game, and they force Kirk Cousins 
to try and beat them a different way, and he wasn't able to do that. A lot of things that uh, a lot of focus rather on the return of in that game of D Ford, uh, Quan Alexander as well coming back in to strengthen things. On in this game, you got Brian Balaga back on the Packers line who has been injured. Was out, came out early in that shellacking earlier on in the season. So he adds a bit more stability there. It's going to be a, I think a slightly different proposition, but they'll probably try and do the same thing, won't they? They'll try and close the the 49ers close down the run game of the Packers. But as we said earlier on in relation to Mahomes, you do that against Aaron Rodgers, even with limited weapons around him, it's still a slightly different mechanic to doing it against a quarterback of lesser ability. Yeah. Um, the the thing the 49ers have got going for them is they are such a well-balanced team. Perhaps the you know mm. the most balanced team in the NFL, mm. and certainly of the teams that are left right now. Um, in some ways, Jimmy Garoppolo could be seen as their as their weak link, and that's that's a compliment to the 49ers that you know Jimmy Garoppolo had a very very good season, um, and still you might feel well everything around him is even better than he is. That's mm. that's testament to the way they've drafted and put together the team. Not a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. Biggest game of his life, and we see this in the playoffs. Younger quarterbacks versus wizened old veterans. Yeah, often it's the latter that comes out on top in in, in clutch time situations. And Garoppolo, for all his cool hand Luke demeanor, and I like Garoppolo, and I think he's an underrated player in some respects. He is prone to turning the ball over, mm-hmm. so there is a suggestion. I think this will be the Packers' mo, right? That they will they'll try and shut down or at least limit the running game and say to Garoppolo, come on then, you beat us and get in his face. They'll have to go for him like they did Russell Wilson. It's a tougher line to break through. But that's presumably got to be their game plan, right? To to get in Garoppolo's face and at the same time say, beat us while we're harassing you and see if he's he's got the metal to do that. Yeah, I think they're going to have to be really aggressive. Mm. Um, Obviously, he's got got good outlets. He's got Kittle who... um, Right. Wasn't practicing, but returned to practice yesterday, and um, I don't think there's any doubt that he's gonna that he's gonna play. Um, Debo Samuel had a great game um, against the Packers. Um, so Gar- Garoppolo, if he's gonna be put under pressure, he's got those targets, but it's the the only the only way to do it is to shut down that run game and really get in his face and force him to make mistakes and then keep giving the ball back to back to Aaron Rodgers, but. You know, this, this 49ers team is just, it's so, it's so well built. It's, and it's built, not, it's not just a win now team, but it's still, it, again, Ollie and I were talking, uh, before we went on air. You know, and doing a lot of I know, well, you know, we, he's a, he's a nice guy to talk to. He's a great guy to talk to. I know to. you don't like him to address you directly. No eye contact. Yep. Yeah. But I, I, quite, unless he's talking about degenerate. Gambling tips and then we're fine. But yeah, I quite like him despite everything that everyone here at ESPN says about him. Um, <laughs> and he said, he said he's, he gets a bit of a, um, an LA Rams from last season vibe about the 49ers. I like it. And I think that's, I think that's a pretty good observation. Mm. The, the kind of the, the way that, the way that they play again, that is a, that is a well balanced yeah. team. And if it's, if it comes down to a battle of the quarterbacks on Sunday, only one team is going to win that game and it's going to be the Packers. If it comes down to that. All week long, I've been weighing this one up and I'm leaning more and more, I'm going to say it, I'm leaning more and more towards the Packers upset. I mean, if it, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm rolling with the 49ers, but I'm the same. I, I really, 
I really think the Packers have got a great shot, despite the fact that I think the 49ers are a more talented team. I think they match up really well in almost every single area. It's just seeing that Aaron Rodgers and what he's done with what he's got around him. And unlike Arrowhead, Levi Stadium is not going to be a cauldron. Um, it's not going to be as, it's, it's just, it's just not that sort of atmosphere right. there in comparison with certain stadiums. I mean, if this was a, if this was at Lambeau, then we'd be looking at, you know, <laughs> I might be picking the Packers. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be close. I just think that talent level that the 49ers have yep. is, is going to get them over the line, but I think it's going to be a hell of a battle. Well, you know what? It's the line doesn't suggest it will be close. And I think, I think it will. If, the Packers play exceptionally, then I think they win. If both teams, if neither team, I should say, plays exceptionally, then the 49ers win. Sure. For the reason you said that the, the quality is clearly deeper with the 49ers. But if the Packers are on their game and, and execute that game plan uh, and aggressively, exactly right, as, he, as, as you said, and start to particularly at least stay in the game early doors, but maybe even get a lead early doors, then I think the pressure could mount and it could be a very, very interesting finish so I'm well not- I, I will say i think i think for the for me to be confident about that 49ers pick they need to go into that final quarter two scores ahead mm. because if in that final quarter the packers are down by seven i would really not want to bet against aaron Rodgers at that mm. point Big because time. you know he's going to get a couple of possessions and you know i'm not saying it's going to come down to one of his ridiculous Hail Marys to kind of take the game to overtime or something. Oh, that'd be great. But if anyone, please if, let that happen. If anyone is going to, I mean, you know, if, if there's five minutes to go and they're down by seven, then yeah. I'm, I'm betting the house on the Packers at that yeah. point, despite all the strength the 49ers have, yeah. how good that defense is, how well the secondary matches up against the, the Packers receivers, everything that happened in the 38 seven game mm. earlier in the season. I'm still thinking, all right, well, if the Packers in the Super Bowl, yeah. that's, yeah. that's it. You know what I love about the NFL is that we've talked so many different ways that these games could go. And, you know, I'm sitting here now hearing really solid arguments and I, and they could, we could conceivably have any combination here. I mean, and we wouldn't be surprised. And that's what we love about it. Even if the, uh, the line, the Vegas line are heavy favorites on both sides. These two championship games, we could see two upsets. We could see the favorites absolutely steamrolling and, and everything in between. So I cannot wait for it. You know, for, when we think about kind of the modern NFL and how much easier it is to pass the ball with all the kind of all the rules favoring the receivers and all this stuff and the fact that franchise running backs, people act like that's not a thing anymore. You know, you could end up with two pretty old fashioned teams in the, in the Titans and the 49ers mm. having the sort of Super Bowl that we, we've not been seeing really that these are just teams that are going to be like, look, we're going to, we're going to play tough football. This isn't going to be just kind of like, right, 60 passes, just bomb, bomb, mm. bomb. We're going to see contrasting styles. I think any combination of these four teams is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like I say, I wish we'd had the 49ers Chiefs 25 years ago for Montana Young and we'd been saved from that terrible Super Bowl where the, um, where the Chargers absolutely laid an egg against the 49ers. Mm. I think we're going to get I, I still feel like the idea of the Titans winning the Super Bowl seems strange, not because it's the Titans, but just because in terms of the quality that they have compared with the other three teams seems strange. And then I look at the Packers and I think, you know, you take Rodgers out of that situation and, you know, this is like a four and 12 team maybe. Yeah, if right. that, if that was Tannehill, you know, again, no disrespect to Tannehill, sure. but I'm, com- yeah. I'm comparing, I'm comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Um, so. 
any one of these teams looks like they should be losing this weekend and they all also look like they should be Super Bowl winners. Yeah. It's going to be ridiculous, I'm sure, and it's going to be fascinating. And yeah, I hope, uh, I hope there was, <laughs> there was, there was crazy as that Chiefs game. Lovely stuff from Ben. Iron Mike in the house on Monday. Extra video content there. We're recording that at ESPN HQ to look back at the big games, break down who won, why they won, and what that means for the Super Bowl 54 matchup. See you Monday. Bye for now. Podcast Network.